The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Tonight's talk is just simply titled, Pray Big. Pray Big. And I'd love to ask you this question, what are you praying for big? What are you praying for big? This has been a, a, a kind of a, a message that God has put on my heart and on my spirit for over a year now. And it's just, uh, it's pushing back against the minutia of life and seeking an omnipotent God. We have an all-powerful God, and yet I don't feel like we sometimes tap into his omnipotence and ask for something significant. So it's a great question, because if we're not careful, we could spend a lot of our lives day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, relationship to relationship, just kind of going through the mundane of life and never really seeking God for something more. Maybe, just maybe, God has something bigger in store for you. And so what are you, what are you praying for big? What would you want God to do through you besides where you're working and are you going to get the deadline met this week and who you're dating and what are you going, what's going on this weekend and all that junk. I'm not saying that we can't ask God and petition God for those things, but what are you praying for big? I'm talking about that, that needs a God to intervene on your behalf. It's a tough question because it forces us to look in the mirror and say, am I really praying for anything big? I'm just trying to get through the week. I'm just trying to get through the summer. Read, honestly, I'm just trying to get through to next vacation. I'm just trying to get to, to retirement. And I'm not really praying for anything besides the little mundane minutiae of life. I love Matthew 6, beginning in verse 31. These are Jesus' words, not my own. But this is what Jesus would say. So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans? One after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So Jesus himself says, listen, godless people are asking for the mundane. They're asking for the minutia. God knows you need those things. So we can pursue and pursue and pursue those things. Or there's something else we can pursue. It's verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all those things are going to be given to you as well. But we have a big, massive omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God that I don't feel like we truly take advantage of. With man, this is impossible. Not with God. All things are possible with God. So we just say, I need you. I need you. But, but when you look at your prayers, if they're like most Christians, this is maybe what they sound like. Lord, thank you for this day. I pray we have a good day tomorrow. I pray that uh, I've got the sniffles, and if you would help me to get over the cold and let us have a safe trip to Grandma's house, bless this food, amen, right? And I'm not saying we can't pray for those things, but let's just be honest. If we didn't pray for any of that stuff, isn't all that going to probably work out okay in and of itself, right? I mean, today has been a good day. Tomorrow probably going to be decent. I'm probably going to get over the cold because I got over strep throat last year. We're probably going to make it real safe to grandma's house and the food, it's probably not going to kill us, at least not today. So even godless people, they're not praying those prayers and it's working out for them. So are we wasting our breath and praying for things that's probably going to work out anyway? Or 
Are we praying big? Are we praying things that require a God, a God, to intervene on our behalf and says, that's a prayer that honors my size, that honors my magnitude, that honors me. So what are you praying for big? Or are your entire prayers consumed with little stuff? Or is there something that grips you so much so that you say, God, if you don't, it won't. God, if you don't come through, it's not going to happen. I need you. This is so big, it's beyond me. And when it comes through, people aren't going to say, wow, read. They're going to say, wow, God, because this prayer is that big. I need you. I need you to come through for me. And here's what I want. At the, I want at the end of the night, I want you to begin praying for something if you aren't already doing so. Begin praying for something that's so big that only God could come through for you. And then to be relentless in that prayer until he answers on your behalf. I want you just to be relentless in your prayer, in your pursuit. And you say, God, I, I actually, actually, actually need your intervention this time. I can't do this without you. And that's not a, a prayer that bothers God. That's a prayer that honors God. He loves those prayers. You're asking things that honors his size. If you're a family that prays together, let me encourage you in this. I want you to pray big prayers with your kids. My wife and I, we pray with our kids every night, and uh, we pray big prayers. Because the size of your prayers determines the size of your God to your kids. That is good. I wanna, you should write that down. The size of your prayers determine the size of your God to your kids. And if all you're doing is, oh, let little Bobby sleep well tonight with no nightmares, and may he do good on his test tomorrow, amen. That's what your kids are going to think God is, that he helps us with our tests, and he keeps the, bad, the boogeyman away when I'm sleeping. I want to I pray prayers that when God doesn't come through, I have to defend God to my kids. Hey, baby, you know, it didn't happen this time. But remember, this time and 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 this time, when we prayed and we prayed and it was a big thing, and then God came through, that's what we're celebrating. We know it increases their faith. My son prays massive prayers. I love, my son turned nine yesterday, and he prays these prayers that would make maybe some of us blush because you're like, I don't have the faith of this nine-year-old. It's just because we've been building that into them from a young age saying, I want to pray big prayers. And, and uh, it's so cool to see him latch onto those things and pray and believe and receive and the faith of a little child. And even in the back of my head, I'm going, that was a big one. And, and you know, and, and there's, there's, there's a flesh in me, but he doesn't know any better. He just knows God can do anything. Where did we lose that? Where we just say, God, you can do anything. We just trust you and believe and receive in Jesus' name that you can do what I'm asking you to do. What are you praying for that's big enough to honor your God? I want to show you a passage tonight. And I'll just be honest with you. You probably have never seen this in a church service. It's just a weird passage. And I, not many, I've never heard somebody teach on this. It's just a, but I love, I love studying the Bible and I came across this. I had to read it a couple of times because it's very odd. And it's one of the reasons I think the Bible's true. Because if I, was, if I was writing the Bible and I was making this huge fabrication, I wouldn't include this story. I'd just like write some other way. You'll see what I mean in a minute. It's Luke chapter 11. So bizarre. You couldn't make this stuff up. It's going to be on the screen for you. Here it is, verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. They're saying, teach us to pray. We want to know how to pray. Teach us to pray, Jesus. So he says to them, when you pray, 
Say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Jesus said the Lord's prayer wrong. <laughs> That's because you memorized the Matthew version. This is a different version. This is in Luke. It's a different situation, which tells me that Jesus says it's not really about the words that you say. You don't say the same thing every time. It's not about what you say. It's how you pray. You just, you just tell God how great he is and how dependent you are on him and then say amen. That's, that's kind of what it is. How good you are, God. How dependent I am on you. Amen. But he says, you know what? You asked me about prayer, so let me teach you about prayer. So he begins to tell them this parable. And he continues on in verse 5. Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. So he says, there's this guy who has a friend come unexpected to his home, and he has nothing to offer him for food. And so he goes to his friend and says, can you give me three loaves of bread so I can feed my friend who came unexpected? So it's happening at midnight. Okay, so all this is happening, and, and the disciples are probably like, hey, 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 listen up, there's probably a lesson. Like, they've been around Jesus a lot. <laughs> they knew if there's a parable coming, there's probably some deep lesson. Hey, he's talking, let's listen, right? But they had to be thinking that in this culture, in the Middle East, uh, men would all sleep in the same room, and women would all sleep in the same room. And sometimes, if they didn't have two rooms, they'd all sleep in the same room. And they would lay in rows, and they would, they would share blankets for warmth. And so they're probably thinking in their head, this man's not going to get up and answer the door. Because what happened, again, in this culture is, is they would get up, and everybody got up. Because everybody's sharing a room. You ever done that, like at a camp somewhere where you're all in the same room, and there's one person who wants to blow dry their hair at 5.30, and they're like, go to bed! Right? They're just, because, like, when one person's up, they're all up. And, and unlike at our house, we, we all go to sleep at different, we have different sleep schedules and uh, most of the time, we don't go to sleep at the same time. But there you kind of had to. We all slept together. We all woke up together. So they're thinking, this guy's not getting up to answer the door because then he'd have to get up. He'd turn on the light, wake everybody up. We'll get the bread out of the kitchen, get the bread, go to the front door, unlock the front door, open the front door, give the bread to the man, shut the front door, lock the front door, go back in, turn off the lights, go back. But now everybody's awake. So the disciples are thinking, this is probably not going to happen. Look at verse 7. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. And my children and I are in, our, are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Now at this point, I think the disciples are thinking through this, thinking, okay, okay, okay. We've heard enough of his parables, boys. Typically, somebody in the parable represents us, and somebody in the parable represents God. So... It makes sense that the person who's asking for something, the man who's at the door asking for bread, because he's teaching us about prayer, we're asking for things, so, so maybe that we're the man at the door. <laughs> but that would mean that God is this grumpy man <laughs> who says, don't bother me, the door's locked, and my children and I are in bed, I can't get up to give you anything that doesn't sound like a God I want to pray to. And some of you have felt that way. You prayed to God and you felt like, are you asleep? You know, you just, you felt that before. That's what the, Jesus is presenting God as someone who's asleep and doesn't want to be bothered to help somebody who considers, he considers to be a friend, by the way. 
This is his friend at the door, not a stranger. Verse 8. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, they're friends, but I'm not getting up because I'm your friend. Yet because of your shameless audacity, that word can be translated as persistence or relentlessness, because of your persistence, your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. He says, so this guy, he gets up, he's like, oh, he gets up. It's not because I'm friends with the guy behind the door. It's because he won't stop knocking. <laughs> you know, you ever had that one like, hey, 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 I know it's midnight, but I know you're in there. Your car's in the driveway. Hello, hello, hello. I can see through the window. I see you. You can't hide from me. Hello, hello. Ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, dong, dong. Yeah, wake up, wake up, wake up. I'm not leaving till you answer the door. I need some bread. Like, he just, he just keeps knocking and knocking. He's like, ugh. It's not even because I'm a friend with you. It's because your, your shameless audacity, your persistence, your relentlessness, that's why I get up. And I'm sure the disciples are going, well, surely God's not like that. <laughs> and Jesus says, well, you asked me about prayer. And I'm telling you about prayer. Sometimes God is like a guy who's asleep, and he doesn't want to get up and answer your prayer. And you're going to have to talk him into it. Now, some of you are going, I see the skepticism. You're like, Reed, I don't know if this is right theology. I've never heard this before. Let me show you another passage. This is just a few chapters later in Luke 17. I'm sorry, Luke 18. All right. Luke 18, verse 2. Again, Jesus. He said, this is Jesus' words. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in the town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Okay, so there's a judge, and there's this woman who's like, grant me justice, grant me justice, grant me justice. And for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. I love that. Leave me alone. That was verses 2 through 5. Now look at verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Two examples. Seven chapters apart in scripture. Again, tell me if I'm interpreting this wrong. But in one example, God is pictured as this man who doesn't want to get out of bed. But because of a shameless audacity of this guy knocking, 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 he finally gets up. Not because of friendship, but because leave. <laughs> and in this example, he's a judge who doesn't want to really grant this lady the justice she deserves. But because she just keeps bothering him and he doesn't want her to attack, he's like, okay, fine, fine, fine. I'll grant you the justice. And I'm just thinking... If I were writing the Bible, I would, I wouldn't, you wouldn't make that up. You would, you, would, you would paint God in a better light than that, right? Would you have included that? And I'm sure the disciples are going, well, I'm glad we asked him. Because, you know, the kind of God that we've been praying to is like, it's more reverent and more polite and, and more tame. And, and this is like begging and pleading and banging on doors. And Jesus says, that's how it is. And then he interprets it for us. Go back to Luke 11, verse 9. He says, so I say to you, Ask and it will be given to you. 
Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And if you look at the original language when he's teaching about this, it's almost, again, this persistence and this relentlessness. It's like you ask and you ask and you ask and you seek and you seek and you seek and you knock and you knock and you knock until God answers you. That's how the language is written. It's just this this shameless audacity of just continuing to go to God and go to God and go to God and go to God and go to God. And reading that, that makes me uncomfortable, i got to be honest with you. Because I grew up hearing different kinds of prayers. But if you read the Old and the New Testaments, that's how the men and women of the Bible, they would go to God. Abraham, David, Isaiah, Moses, God, hey, stop ignoring me. Hey, you told me, you promised you're going to come through. If you don't come through, I'm out. You better do what you said you were going to do. That's how they just had this shameless boldness. They, They just called out to God. And God says, that's a prayer that honors me. That's a prayer that you, you know that I'm God. And you know that I can come through for you. And now I'm going to part a sea. And now I'm going to feed 5,000. And now I'm going to do these things because you believe in me. And you have a boldness and a persistence to ask me for those things. Instead of letting the fact that I didn't open the door immediately turn you away. I want to tell you a story about a friend that I just made uh, not that long ago. I actually met this man in the spring. His name's Michael Morton. Some of you may know that name because he has a documentary about him um, that's out. Here's a picture of Michael. <clears throat> Michael, uh, in 1986, lived in Austin, Texas, and he was a supermarket manager. And he went to dinner with his wife on his birthday to celebrate his birthday. They had a three-year-old son together. And uh, they went to dinner, and they came home, and they were not intimate and the next morning, he woke up, and he wrote her a note, just telling her that he was um, displeased with her lack of intimacy on his birthday. <laughs> and just disappointed, right? Of all the days, it's my birthday, right? And so he just writes a note, and then he says, I love you, and he leaves it on the bathroom counter and goes to work. He had to go to work at 5.30 that morning. He comes home. And his wife has been brutally raped and murdered. And uh, their three-year-old son was home. And the, the mother, her mother, said the son was home. And the son said, my daddy wasn't home, but there was a monster here. Well, to make a long story short, um, the prosecuting attorney just wanted victory. And so they built a case saying that Michael was the killer based on this note that he wrote, saying, I didn't get intimacy, and because of that, he came home and raped his wife and killed her. And so without any eyewitnesses or physical evidence, they build up this hypothesis and put this man in prison. And he goes to prison. 1986 goes to prison. And he's in prison from 1986 until 2005. Actually, longer than that, but i got to tell you this part of the story. All this time, the only person who ever believed that he didn't do it was his mother. She kind of held firm. She says, he didn't do it. And this lady lives in Liberty City, Texas, and she goes to a church that I'm familiar with that I've gotten to pastor at a few times. And uh, what's funny is the pastoral staff have told me this story that every day, excuse me, every week, you know how we have the connection cards, they have prayers in the back? Every week, every week, she would write there, on that connection card or on that prayer card, please pray for justice for my son, Michael. Please pray for justice for my son, Michael. Every week from 1986 to 2005. 
please pray for justice for my son Michael. She asked and she asked and she asked and she seeked and she seeked and she seeked and she knocked and she knocked. Seek's not even a word. She, she just kept petitioning the Lord. So 2005, the Innocence Project picks up Michael's case and says, there's some strange things about this case. And DNA evidence and testing has, has improved certainly in the last 20 years. So let's take his case. And in 2011, Michael Morton was completely exonerated of his wife's murder. They found out that the DNA evidence actually linked to another man who committed a similar rape and murder two years after this happened to Michael's wife. And he was already in prison for that. So Michael gets out of prison in 2011. And now, today, I've met him. He still lives in the Kilgore area in East Texas. He's now happily married, trying to restore his relationship with his son, who for 24 years thought his dad was a monster. And it's just because one woman, every week, for 25 years, asked and asked and asked and knocked and knocked and knocked and said, God, I'm not giving up. And you didn't answer this year, and you didn't answer this year, and you didn't answer this year, but I'm going to keep asking and asking and asking until justice is served because my son is innocent. It's pretty crazy. And in 2013, the Texas legislator enacted the Michael Morton Act that requires prosecutors to give defense attorneys any evidence that is relevant to the defendant's guilt or punishment. Because there was actually evidence that he wasn't even in Austin when the murder took place. But the defense attorneys never found out about that evidence. And so there's a law on the books in Michael Morton's behalf because of what happened. God, listen, God is not bothered by your boldness. He's honored by that boldness. And he answers oftentimes those kinds of prayers. Look at verse 10. For everyone who asks receives... The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And listen, you may be asking and asking and asking for two years or three years or 25 years, but I just believe that our God at some point is going to step in and say, okay, enough's enough. I know you're serious about this, so I'm going to get serious about this, and I'm going to intervene on your behalf because you have great faith in me. Thank you for trusting me with your prayers. And I wonder if, if some of us just don't give up too soon. And maybe that's why there's not more miracles happening in our lives and more miracles happening in our churches. So I just ask you, what are you praying for big? God, what are you praying for big? I need you to come through for me. If it's not a what are you praying for big, who are you praying for big? Is there somebody that, that you've been praying for and praying for and praying for and praying for? God, I want you to bring them to salvation. I can't do it. You can do it. God, I've told them, I've told them, I've told them, but God, I need you to save them. I tell you, who, who are you? There's some of you that are here today that your parents were praying for you and praying for you and praying for you, and it didn't get better for you, it got worse for you. But then there was some point with someone in some moment where some good God got a hold of you, and you're in church today, living for Jesus, raising your family in a church because a parent cared enough for you to continue petitioning God on your behalf. God, save my son. Save my, some of you are in that situation as parents. You just keep praying and praying and praying and believing and believing and believing. You'll be receiving because that's who God is. And for everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Amen. He said, I'm God. Ask me something big. And you might have every, re every reason to be discouraged or think that God's not listening, but... Just say, God, I'm not going away. 
I'm going to keep asking him. I'm going to keep asking him. I'm going to keep asking him. I've been asking for something for 16 years, and it hasn't happened yet. But I'm going to keep asking. And when, not if, but when God answers that prayer, I'm going to give him all the glory because it's something only God can do. And I want you to join me in praying for big, big, big things. And you might have every reason to be discouraged or think that God's not listening, but just keep pushing on, saying, God, I can't do this without you. I've, I've shared part of this story, and I, if I, I'm repetitive, I apologize, but it just kind of puts a big red bow in this. Years ago, I, uh, I got to do an event called Red Letter Rock Fest. It was a Christian music festival in West Texas. And we had some major Christian rock artists. The heart was to, to bring evangelism to people that would come to this event. And um, So anyway, we did this for five years, and we had all the major Christian rock acts come to little old West Texas town. The first year that we did it, though, it was a God-sized thing, because this wasn't through a church, this wasn't through a nonprofit. this was J.C. and myself. And so if it, came, if it didn't happen, then it would come back on us financially. And we're talking about an event that cost about $250,000 to put on. And I'm a pretty good planner, and I'd, 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 I'd done a lot of work and, and got a lot of sponsorships, and we got a program together, and I kind of conservatively said, here's how many tickets we're going to sell but unfortunately, because it was the first year of the event, we, just, we didn't sell as many tickets as we thought we would. And so my sister, Julie, uh, I went to her house, and uh, she was kind of my accountability partner at the time. And, and so I went to her and, and just said, hey, how bad is it? I knew we were in the red. Here's the problem is we had taken a, a, a loan out of the bank, a temporary loan at the bank, because when the bands came, they wanted to get paid that day. And so I had to pay them, thinking that we'd get ticket sales that day that would reimburse the, the loan, and, and then we'd all be scot-free and free and clear from the loan. And so I knew that we had to pay that loan off in 30 days, and now it's 26 days. And so I went to my sister and I said, how bad is the damage? She said, it's $11,000, just a small Toyota. And, uh, and I'm sitting there going, I, don't, I really don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how we're going to make this up. But I honestly felt like God put that on me to say, start this event for me. And so I said, God got us into this mess. God's going to get us out of this mess. And she said, let's, let's put it out on Facebook. Let's put it on social media. Try to get, let's just get, there will be people that will come to your rescue. I said, no, 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 no. Maybe on day 30, but this is day four. Let's let God do what God does. I said, let's just see. Let's just see. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Okay, I won't tell anybody. So I went to, that was on a Tuesday. I went to work on a Wednesday, and there was a couple in our church that uh, came to the event, and they just said, man, we just love what you did. It's so cool. Again, this is in a little bitty small town, Snyder, Texas, if you know where that is. And they said, this is so cool, and we just love that you did this for our city. And so we want to make sure you do this again. And so we want to give you a check. And they wrote me a check for $1,500. Pretty cool. So I thought, thank you, thank you. And I called my sister immediately, and I said, you're not going to believe this, but God's God. And uh, I just had somebody give me a check for $1,500. So now we're $9,500 away from our goal. And I told God, if I don't make $1... I'm not doing it again. And everybody's saying, do it again. I'm like, I'm not doing it again. I, I, I can't lose money. Well, at the time, my sister was visiting her next-door neighbor who had just moved to the community. They just moved to Snyder. They were in the oil industry. And so they came, and she was over there just giving them cookies and greeting them to Snyder. And she gets off the phone with me, and she just begins to weep. She's just crying. And uh, the lady's like, are you okay? She goes, Yeah. She said, my brother, it's, it's all good. She said, my brother put on this, this Christian music festival, and, and we ended up being in debt. And uh, somebody just gave him $1,500, which helps eat into the debt. She goes, your brother put that on? 
And she said, our two boys went to that event and gave their lives to Jesus Christ at that event. So, without knowing me, and without knowing my sister, wrote a check for $1,000 on the spot and gave it to my sister. So now we're $8,500 in the hole. Alright, so I'm feeling a little bit better about it. Um, Thursday, that was on Wednesday, Thursday... There was another gentleman who had already sponsored the event, had already given money, but he came to the event, and he could tell that we didn't sell as many tickets as he had thought we wanted to sell. And so he came in and he says, hey man, I thought it was a great event, don't get discouraged, it's the first year, it takes a while to build these things, I just want to make sure that you're not in the red. I didn't tell him the amount, but I just, he said, I just want to help you out again. And so he wrote me a check for $4,000. So at this point, I'm $4,500 away, and I'm sitting here going, okay... You know, and I'm talking to my wife, and, 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 and you know, we're, we're both, uh, you know, we're trying not to stress or worry, but I mean, again, this, this note that's got to be due back, it's coming up, but I'm thinking $4,500, we could sell a vehicle, like, we'll figure something out, that's doable, that's manageable. <laughs> Friday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Friday, I'm sitting at my desk, and a gentleman comes to my office. I'm at a church, by the way. A gentleman comes to my office that is known in the community as being kind of this um, hardcore atheist. Like, I mean, hardcore. Like, people say, don't share the gospel with him. I'm going to get mad at you. Right? He just, like, he's got that reputation. And I don't know him. I just know who he is because he owns a business. He's, he's a very uh, wealthy man. And I just, I thought, okay. So he's at my door knocking. I'm like, this ain't good. <laughs> he opens the door. And this is honest to goodness what he says to me. I, I don't even, I, like, I maybe have met him, but I don't, like, he, this is the first, this is the opening line. Did you put on that Christian festival this weekend? It's like gulp. Yes, sir. You know, you know, I don't believe in that God. I can't believe that a loving God is inside all these people that say that they're God lovers because they don't love very well. And I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and he goes on and he says, what you did for our community was pretty cool, though. I've never seen all of our hotels full. I've never seen all of our restaurants full. Reed, I want to help you out, man. I, I want to I get to this event. He took out his checkbook. He wrote a check for $4,500, the exact amount we were out. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm sitting there smiling, going, you're funny. You're paying this off with atheist money. That's hilarious to me. And I was so in awe. I was like, thanks. And I'm just like, I'm sitting, I mean, not $5,000, not $4,500, the exact amount we needed. And so I'm sitting there going, and it was years later. Years, I wish it was days later. It was years later where I finally got a chance to tell him that story. I said, man, I know you're not going to believe this. I know you don't believe in God, but God used you, bub. I, just, I told him this story. It didn't change his life. It was so crazy. And there was a banker in town I told this whole story to, and he gave me a dollar. He goes, you got to do it again. You made a dollar. So, okay. All I'm saying is that was a God-sized thing. I can't come up with $11,000 in 26 days, but you know who can? God. And so I just said, God, I need you. I'm going to petition you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my faith in you. I believe in you. And I could do it my way and put it on social media and people could help, but I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to trust that you're going to come through for me. Yeah. 
So we're kind, of, we're kind of praying bigger on these parts. We've seen some crazy things happen in this very room. We've seen multiple, multiple babies who were dead become alive. We've seen people who were unemployed for 18 plus months suddenly get jobs the very next day. We've seen people who had terminal cancers be healed. We've seen marriages that were wrecked that had no shot. Even I'm losing hope and I have the most hope of anybody get completely restored. In fact, some of you are sitting here today and your marriages are thriving when they were just barely hanging on surviving. And God is a big God. And I just say continue to press into him and pray big and say, God, do what you do. You know, in this, this one campaign, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, we're, we're, we're just believing that we're going to do this debt-free. I think that that's kind of a, we just believe that could happen. And we believe that everyone is going to reach one for the one. We believe that we can double in size just like that because we just believe in a big God. I get to be a part of this, this uh, young adults ministry called Continuum. This is crazy. We're believing we're going to have 3,000 young adults that are pursuing Jesus at Christian Life Austin through Continuum. And I appreciate the clapping. It's, that's crazy. We've never had 300. <laughs> we're, we're praying for 3,000. And my son, every night, every, tonight, you just eavesdrop on his window. Please don't. That's weird. But every night, he prays, God, for 3,000 people. We had an event last night for a continuum. And he goes, will 3,000 people be there? I'm like, I hope not. That doesn't, the venue doesn't hold that many people. <laughs> He's just believing that. So i got to tell you this, this last story. So I shared that with Continuum. I shared that story with Continuum. I said, I just believe that God is going to bring 3,000 people to Continuum. And uh, that's what I'm praying for. I'm praying, I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm seeking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking, I'm knocking, I'm knocking. Until he answers that prayer. So I share that with 75 people. (laughs) And a girl comes up to me, and I don't really know the girl. And she comes up to me, and I, I mean, I know she is, but I don't really know, know her. So I don't know what her walk with the Lord looks like. I don't know any of that. And she just said, um, God just told me that that's going to come true. And so I do what you do, like, well, praise the Lord. And I receive that. You know, like, what do you say to that? And in the back of your head, you're going, okay. <laughs> right? Like, maybe he said that. That's neat. Yay. So we talk for a minute. But I, I don't know. And all the while, and the person I'm fixing to talk about is here. She doesn't know I'm going to share her story, but now she does. Um, but there's, there's a, another woman that I have a lot of respect for, her and her husband. And, um, and she just kind of, I see her in my peripheral vision. And she's just standing there waiting to talk to me. I can tell. And this girl's just talking. And then she's saying, she's just talking. Okay. All right. So then I finally get over to this woman. And she goes on to tell me that she went out to her car but she couldn't leave because God kept telling her to come back into the building to talk to me. And I said, well, what, what do you want to tell me? And she said, God told me to tell you that you're going to have 3,000 people at Continuum. All right, you got my attention. <laughs> so now it's not one person, but it's not two people telling me the exact same thing. But I'm still skeptical, and God knows my heart. He knows my heart. And she goes on to tell me this incredible story. When we first got to Christian Life Austin, we wanted to start this Christian ministry for young adults. And so we did this, you may remember this a couple of years ago, we did this um, continuum conference 
and uh, we promoted it, and, and having had Red Letter Rock Fest experience and seeing 5,000 people come to an event in Snyder, I thought we can surely get 1,000 in here. And so we went to the campus, and, and Pastor Brandon and I were passing out cards, and we're hitting up social media, and we're, we're going to all the campus. We're just trying to build buzz around the event. We had some great bands and great speakers, and it was an awesome event. Those of you that came, I heard nothing but positive things about the event. But it's the week of, and we hadn't sold but about 200 tickets. And, uh, you know, we, Pastor, Pastor Rex was so gracious and so kind, and he just said, son, it's okay, it's the first year. I'm like, but, I, you know, this is my first thing here. Like, I'm like, hey, you're hired. I'm like, let's do this. And then it was a massive failure. <laughs> I was like, ah. So, I was so frustrated. I was. And I was fasting, and I was praying, and I went into my closet at three in the morning. And my wife didn't even know she was sound asleep. And I got in a specific position, and I began weeping and just crying out to God, saying, God, what are you doing? Why don't you come through? Why don't you come through? Why, why, why can't we sell tickets? I, in hindsight, I would do nothing different. Like, I did everything I knew how to do, how to promote an event and get people here, and, like, it just didn't happen. And we had lots here, and God did some cool things, and, but, but at the end of the day, it just wasn't what we wanted it to be. And I was very frustrated and just desperate and discouraged. Fast forward almost two years to the day, and I'm talking to this woman, and she says, um, God's going to bring 3,000 people to Continuum. And then she goes on to say this. She said, God, let me see you. And you were in your closet, and you were weeping. And she starts reading my mail and telling me things that there's no way she could have known. My wife didn't even know. No one in the world knew. And she starts telling me the exact position I was, everything about that moment. And as she's telling me, I'm crying and she's crying. And I went home to my wife, and I remember sitting on the couch telling you this, and I was just weeping. I'm like, something happened today at church. And... I heard it once, and then I heard it again, and then God said, you still don't believe me, so I'm going to prove it to you, and I'm going to tell her something that only I would know. And so I believe and receive. We're going to have 3,000 people that continue. So we need to get this building going quickly, please. Uh, What are you praying for, Bing? I want you to petition God and every day just ask him and ask him and ask him and seek and seek and seek. Knock and knock and knock. And let me just show you. This is verse 11. This is the last part of the verse and we're done. Randy, you can come up. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Again, Jesus is teaching about prayer. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Here's what I love. We have a good, good father, and I would love for, I can't talk about prayer and not offer prayer. We got to talk about prayer and offer prayer. So here's what we're going to do. I want the prayer partners to come in just a moment. We're going to pray for you. And maybe there's something that God has already placed on your heart that's big that requires him to intervene on your behalf. And I want you just to ask in agreement, right? If two or more agree about anything on earth, it's bound by our Father in heaven. So you just come down and say, would you agree with me? Absolutely, let's, let's do it.
and you just agree, and, and they're going to pray for you. Not something weird. Make sure it's in the will of God, but you know what? <laughs> but pray something that, desi- that honors his size. And I want you to just to continue that prayer. Just wherever you're at, praying for someone or something, just saying, God, I need you, 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 I need you. And it may take three months, it may take 25 years, but I believe that you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. I just believe that. Because that's the kind of God that we serve, that we just ask and ask and ask. And finally he gets up and says, okay, now that you're serious about it, I'm going to be serious about it. So prayer partners, why don't you come? And uh, we're going to pray for you. Is that okay? We're just going to pray big. And if you don't have something big, say, God, give me something big to pray for. Give me something big to pray for. I need something big in my life. And the next time when you're in a a life group or some group gathering and they say, anybody got any prayer requests? You don't sit there and go. My grandma's sick. When they say, you got something to pray for? Ooh, 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 me, me, me. Ooh, 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 me, me, me. Because it's just, it's just a burden on you. You've been praying for it and praying for it and praying for it and praying for it and praying for it. And I need God to intervene. And I want this group to agree with me. This is going to happen in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray. I want you all stand together. We're going to worship. If you don't want to pray, let's just worship together. But if you do want prayer, that's what this team is here for. They love you. We're going to pray.